y gente sanotealor. Welcome to Conlangery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley, and with me is my lovely co-host, Bianca Mangum. Hello. And across the Atlantic, over in Sweden, we have a special guest, Adam Skolk. Did Hello. I pronounce that any word closer, right? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no. going to say anything. I don't want to make you feel bad about this. That was a no. We have we have Adam on because uh, our feature conlang today is going to be Kosea, which is his conlang, which and the the star of the Kosea Daily videos, which I actually very well enjoy. They're pretty funny. I would say your friend is more of the star because he does talk more than you. Yeah, that's that's true. He does. What's his name, Eric? Yeah. I haven't been feeling too well today and and uh Adam, you said you're it's what, like two two twenty AM there, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So we're just gonna do this as much as we can and <laughs> you, <laughs> you guys can judge how well this episode goes. But uh, yeah. why don't we just plow right in? Our topic for today is personal names. So, like our um, formality episode and our relationship terms episode, our kinship terms episode, it covers something that has a lot to do with uh, the connection between culture and language. And I just wanted to go over, we're talking about Basically, what conventions your con culture, your conlang, uh, can have for choosing personal names? You know, what personal names exist in the real world? What kind of things you can do with it? So, you know, give a name, surname, and even totally different things. And, uh, Bianca, why don't you turn up? Yeah, Adam, stop making our... me go first. Adam, you're our guest. Do you have any interesting sort of ideas to start us off here? Um, like I said before we started up, I do have a system for, for surnames in, in my language, but it is not very interesting. It's pretty much the same thing as in, um, you know, in Iceland, for example, where you get to, get to take the name from your parents, although you only take your father's name in Iceland, and you get both your mother's name and your father's name in uh, the system that I've been working on, but it's not more interesting than that. I think that systems like that work, and uh, from what I understand, that's a in Iceland that's a patronymic system. You actually get your father's given name. Yes, and then you get the word for son or daughter attached to the end of it. Mm -hmm. That's one of those things that interests me, is that the surnames 
as they occur, at least in Western cultures, are fairly recent, I think. The, there were a lot of other ways of uh, assigning names, like using the father's name in there, or not even having a second name. The, if you look at different societies, even within talking about just traditional surnames like we have, you have Spanish where you take both your mother and father's surname and cultures where there's differences between some cultures. The A woman getting married takes the man's surname and others she keeps her own surname. There's some cultures that, um, some cultures where the family line is actually traced through the woman. Matrilineal. Yes, matrilineal culture. Yep. Um, yeah, but I don't really have anything beyond knowing, like, Spanish names and English names. And yeah. damn it, Torgo should have been here because I'm not yes. that good with Spanish names. Torgo, if you're listening to this, I blame you. <laughs> Um, but okay. Spanish names, you don't get a middle name like you do in English names. I don't know how common middle names are. Um, well, we do have them in Sweden, at least. I, I have a middle name. Right. Well, even in English, I think um, middle names are more an American thing. I, I mean, in English, the English well, language. I know, I've heard that I understand that in England they don't have it as much. My boyfriend has a middle name. Does he? Yeah. Maybe, um, Spanish you can have multiple first names, though. We have multiple first names and multiple last names, but it's only a first name and a last name, not... It's not multiple, it's like a two-word name. Not... Like, I have a first last name and a second last name, it's just... Yeah, I don't think we find many people with multiple given names in Sweden either, but only people with two names connected with hyphens and stuff like that. Mm, interesting. I don't like double first names in English, because it'll always be something stupid like Mary Lou, Mary Ann, Mary Tartface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There aren't as many of those in English as in, in Swedish, are there? They're not that common. English-speaking countries, as in Sweden, I guess I should say. (laughs) Sweden Sweden being Swedish-speaking. Yeah. (laughs) Swedish-speaking countries. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is there There any, actually... (laughs) Did Sweden actually have any colonial influence anywhere? Um, I'm actually not not very good with history, but I <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we, it's we actually not a subject that I enjoy very much. I have to say, yeah. But um, well, back to the personal names. I know in my conlang, I do the same thing, where in Yauk names you take the mother's name, you take your father's name. Take your clan name, or if you're like some mixed breed, you take your region name, or an orphan, you take your city name. 
Um, and then you're given a name, but then when you turn 20, you get to choose your own name. Oh. Yeah, and did you, so Crip, did you, did you, like, find any of those things in natural cultures? Because they sound like things that could occur in, in... They, they sound reasonable, but I did zero research and made it up. Because I know place names occur in in some European contexts, even. Uh, well, you get it with, like, Spanish names as well. I think, like, back in the day, if you were an orphan, and they didn't know, like, your father's name, and you were born at a church, I think that's where the name Iglesias comes from. It's like, you know. Really? That's I read it on Wikipedia, I think, so there you go. I know sort of things like de something or a uh, sort of generative particle and then another thing. Like Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, it was um, from. In art circles, he's known as Leonardo because da Vinci just means of Vinci. He was born in a place called Vinci. Yeah. So. <laughs> and That's pretty common before, like, it got to the point where there's a lot of people in one place and you needed to know for sure which one you were talking about. Yeah, or just the fact that surnames caught on. There's also situations where, like, I know in China, at least from what my Chinese friends have told me, the surnames, which I'm sure everybody who's listening to this podcast knows this, the surname comes first in, in Chinese, but one thing about uh, Chinese surnames is a lot of them were just decreed by the emperor in a certain to that a certain region or something would be given this surname. And they were like started up by just fiat. <laughs> yeah. But actually, even more interesting, though, back comparing China to the U.S. is the the or China to Western languages is the way that you assign given names. So in the West, a lot of us use historical names or name children after ancestors. I know I was named that way, named after my two maternal grand great-grandfathers. Can I say, I know I'm going to get yelled at for this, how much I hate that. I hate historical names, and I hate, like, my boss is actually, like, the fourth. So that means, that's like four generations of people being too lazy to think of a new name. His father, <laughs> his grandfather, well, and his great-grandfather are all named the same thing. Well, it does get worse in places like Iceland, but we, we also take your surname from your father, and if your father has the same name as you, you get the same name twice in your name. That's when you end up with, like, Eric Erickson, and then yeah. your son. Yes. I saw some names like that when I was in Iceland, actually. Yeah, but anyway, getting to my point Sorry. was... Yeah, that's... I like the fact that I'm named after great-grandparents. My dad was named after his father, and that's that actually caused him problems with sort of records and such. 
But um, what I was t saying is, when I tell Chinese friends about how I got my name, it's sort of an interesting thing because in Chinese culture, you're supposed to seek either just find a unique name or sometimes there's a lot of Dallas fortune telling involved in choosing the name. But it's generally considered even disrespectful to name your child after an ancestor. Because it's oh. sort of like, you know, your your ancestor had that name. It's it's his name, not not anybody else's. That's interesting. Of course, they only have uh, so many surnames, so it still is inevitable that they have lots and lots of similar names. Well, I also think it's interesting with Chinese names that, like, I was talking to some of my students, and I had, like, half of my class was Chinese, and they were sharing their names, but at the same time, with the names, don't they have a little bit more freedom with, like, which characters they use to spell their name? Oh, uh, what do you mean? So, like, I don't know. Um, just when they were, like, exchanging names, they had to, like, write it out for the person and then give it to them because, well, one, I don't know much about Chinese, but it seemed like the names they had could have been a couple of different sim, and just to make clear which one it was, they had to write it for them. Well, that's uh, just a function was... of the way Chinese works with its logographic system. Yes. The fact is, basically, there are so many homophones in Chinese, and when you're talking about names, those are one or two characters, and often they're not, like, a given... Yeah. They won't use, like, a given word. And so, so you know, you have to write it out or explain what the character is. There's actually some meta-language ways to describe what a character looks like in Chinese that's... That's a funny thing about it. And so you either have to tell them what character it is or what. Sorry, I'm fixing your your problem. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Um, yes, it sounds good now. Yes, uh, but uh, there's they they often you will have to in Chinese tell them what exactly which character exactly you're talking about because of the fact that it's just it's. Just that there's that many homophones. Yeah, Another interesting thing is, I think what I meant by freedom is like there's a lot of homophones, so you can choose and pick which one. Yeah, and it's ish. Often the people who go through sort of, especially people who are more into like the Taoist um, traditions, will go through a lot of processes of choosing which sound and also which character because supposedly there's certain things that are auspicious or inauspicious. Another thing about uh, 
sorry to be so Chinese-centric, but that that's how I am usually. But um, <laughs> another thing is, it used to be, it's not so much anymore that Chinese people would take a style name, which is after, especially people who, well, after you're an adult and you're choosing sort of your career and such, especially if you're into literary stuff, you'll choose a style name. Like, um, so Sun Yat-sen is not known as Sun Yat-sen in Chinese, or Sun Yixian, which would, would be the Mandarin pronunciation of that. He's known as Sun Zhongshan, which is a name he took as a style name when he was in uh, Japan. It means Central Mountain. Yeah. And that was just something he he ch- chose and decided to call himself. I know a lot of my students, or a lot of Chinese people when they come here, choose an English name just because a lot of Americans, when you see the Chinese name, just kind of go, what? I remember, like, oh, yeah. my boss was Chinese, and, like, I was giving out references, and I had this one lady going, how do you say this? And I was like, it's not that hard. It's two syllables. What is wrong with you? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, most most Chinese that have any international in- inclination at all will have an English name. That's yeah. another thing I was going to talk about, is that... and. I don't know how well you can, how you would uh, implement that in a conlang, but if you had sort of a situation where you had a one culture that's very, very dominant globally and another culture that has phonology that's difficult for the dominant culture to understand, that might be something that would occur. I could imagine having like a family name and a name for people you don't know that way, you know. Only the people who know you really well can call you the one name, and then everyone else has your other name. Surely that exists. That sounds so familiar. I don't um, know. It's like formality, but with names. What's interesting is, and one thing that was um, pushing, pulling me towards doing this is, um, there's been some talk on Google Plus about the real name system there. And it uh, throws a lot of these Asian societies for a loop. Because it's not just China that does the English name thing. Yeah. And, by the way, in China, there's people who will introduce themselves by their English name first. I had a girlfriend that did not speak English that introduced herself with her English name first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's that's an interesting thing. But there was stuff. Um, there was a thread that Psy had started. Psy from the LCS, which I'm yes. t- I'm told that uh, mentioning his name set some people on edge. But he's been big on talking about the the. Um, Google Plus stuff because he's legally mononymic. He has only one name. And in one of his discussions, one of the people following him, if I could dig up the discussion, I'd I'd look at it, but one of the people following him added in this thing where there are a lot of people in Thailand 
that will choose an English name, and it's not really, it's usually, it's, from what he was saying, it's usually not like a conventional English name, but <laughs> actually some random word. <laughs> and, uh, that's the name that they will go by everywhere except for, like, official forms that they have to fill out their legal name in. Yeah. And that's just one of the examples of things that people were putting forth as uh, examples of things that can get screwed up in a real name social network thing. It's a social network system, not fucking record database. I don't understand it. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Yeah, it's just things that happen. Uh, So... And it's interesting to to think about that kind of thing. So, you might have a culture where everybody, through most for most of their life, most of the things that they handle in their life are done in with a nickname rather than their the the name they were given as a child. Or you might have a culture like you created with a Nyauk. Um, Imagine if you had to put five names to fill out every single thing. You would get annoyed. <laughs> Why five, specifically? Clan name, mother name, father's oh. name. Given oh. name. Take <laughs> but once you're past 20, you don't use your given name, because that's like calling oh, you they, a child. They don't so, use the given name No, only your grandmother would use it. I, I came to think of something now that you said this thing about picking random words. Uh, because my girlfriend was studying Chinese for a while, and uh, she had some Chinese girl come stay in her house for a week or two or something. And she went by the name Fish for some reason. Nice <laughs> child. I think is actually fairly common. It is. Fish, as a as a name, there. Chinese people will choose weird names, and I think a lot of um, places in Asia where that um, that is common. A lot of a lot of places in Asia where choosing an English name is common, they'll choose these strange names like fish or yeah. apple or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So, and it could actually harkens back to the culture of wanting a unique name and such. Because I know even in Chinese occasionally you hear about strange names. I heard about I've read that like during the height of Mao's power during like the Cultural Revolution and such, there were people who named their children basically the equivalent of loyal to the party, or stuff like that. Oh, God. Um, jeez. Yeah. Let's not uh, even talk about people with bad naming taste. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's an interesting contrast, seeing how it's almost like almost like a taboo in Western culture, because people are declared idiots for naming their children with unique names. (laughs) 
Since like you, Facebook? Yeah, some people... <laughs> say, you see, yeah, in Western culture, a, a name like that would just be just awful. And that particular name is not that common. Another thing, actually... Sorry, I'm going back and back to Chinese, but it has so many different interesting name conventions, because there are some Chinese families that have this giant list of what they call generation names. Mm-hmm. And it actually functions somewhat like a middle name. So you have their surname, and they have to put the generation name and then a unique given name, which the, it'll be three characters, essentially. But somebody in these families, generally it's somebody hundreds or a thousand years ago decided to write this giant list of individual characters that, okay, this generation will have to use this element in all <laughs> the children's names. And that went then, and what you do is the list is handed down to the first son and <laughs> they have to, <laughs> and that's dying out more recently, but that sounds kids. like a horribly controlling grandmother being like, these kids these days, they don't know what they're doing. I need to write a list to make sure that in the future they don't give them horrible names. Like fish. <laughs> like fish. <laughs> Grandmothers are the same everywhere, though. <sighs> Chinese grandmothers have a lot of power, though. So, you may not be very off. They write lists to tell you... Because uh, you're supposed to respect your elders and all this stuff, and uh, let me see. Well, she's not really my grandmother, but she's like my grandmother. She has a terrible name. Her name is Dionysia, which is basically like feminine Dionysus. And I'm just like, what? Who gave you that name? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, I have people named after. I don't know that many people with odd names necessarily. I have a Chinese friend named after a character from a martial arts novel. Well, that's not the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's not that strange. I named my cat after a book character. Though, though she used to use the English name Cherubin. That's a little weird. Yeah, she's dropped that now. Cherubin with an end at the with an N at the end of it. That's, that's funny. Sounds like the bin you put cherubins in. Oh, no. See, I'm just going silly now. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> what? But, um, as far as my own languages I've created, I've not paid that much attention to names except for, like, in Yeltach, since they're these like mass-produced clones, they don't have names. They have call numbers that have all this <laughs> information about um, where, uh, what what hatching facility they were they were born in, and what their cast is, and all this crap. And they go by nicknames all the time because that would be annoying. Name. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we were hitting on something important, like, with names, you can have, like, a set of names where these are name words, you don't use them for, like, 
proper for nouns and then you have the proper names or you know like well John's not a good example of this because John is also a noun but it means different things so like you have Mitchell Mitchell is a name you don't have like a word Mitchell I mean and then you have fish and normally fish is not a name so you have that which is you know let's call that the English distinction for simplicity and then like in Inyalk there isn't really any names. All of their names are basically just common nouns. So being called fish would be normal. Being called deer. Being called whatever the hell you want to be called. <laughs> yeah, most of my names are just nouns as well, I think. Yeah, they're just... I think that has a lot to do with history, too. Um, a lot of the traditional English names are actually derived from Greek and Latin and Hebrew. Yes, a lot of these more common names are pretty old. And um, I I presume Sweden has a similar deal. Probably you use more Germanic names than we do. Well, (laughs) it's quite funny because my name is Adam. Yes. That's pretty common. Yeah, and that means means man in Hebrew. Yeah. And, And then my cousin... My cousin on my on my mother's side, his name is uh, Andreas, and that's the Greek word for man. <laughs> and and then my cousin on my father's side, his name is is Carl, and that's the uh, that's the Northern Germanic word for man. Just <laughs> <laughs> a family of men. <laughs> that's funny. It's not very creative. Well, my name's not very creative. It's just a color. Um. Well. Man. You are a man, I shall call you man. George, I am told, and someone may correct me on the exact history, George, I am told, comes from a Greek word meaning farmer or laborer who works the earth or something like that. Yorgios. But that's not the reason I'm named that. My, my the reason I name I'm named that is because I had a great grandfather named George Thorne, and then I had another great grandfather named Vincent Alston Stump. So I am George Alston. Oh, they went with Alston. Yeah, Vincent oh, wow. is is still a little odd because it's actually V I N C E O N. Vincent. <laughs> no, no, no T, no T. Vincent. Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> um, my brother is Burr Angelo for, on my father's side, there's Burr Corley and Angelo Falcon. <laughs> Which Falcon, we think, may have originally been Falcone, because he came from Italy. And that makes more, more sense. Uh, and it ends with an E, so. Well, then it would be Falcone if well, you were going to anglicize it. <sighs> I don't speak Italian. I don't know exactly Falcone. how it would be pronounced. Well, no, if you anglicized it with the E. Obviously. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, I... That's another interesting thing to think about. Names that cross cultures. No. Um, especially if you were to construct either to create an alternate history language or to have a world with several different languages to to talk about how 
languages end up mutating because there's a lot of surnames, especially, that got mangled when people went through Ellis Island. That's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of mangling and... Yeah. Oh, for... Since we have some some non-U.S. listeners, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify. Ellis Island was uh, around turn of the century... That's where the Statue of Liberty is, and that's where most immigrants came through to the Americas near the turn of the century. That processing site is basically closed down now, but... It's just a museum now. Yeah. I've been there. I didn't know, thanks. You didn't yes. know? Now you'll learn some history. Oh... I do not want to learn anything historical. Fine. I want to be stupid. You can go be stupid. Should we move on to the next topic, or...? Yeah... We could. I can kind of think of other things to think about, like people talking about the rope system and stuff. I don't know what the rope system is. I remember hearing about... There was a specific this this crosses into the the border between kinship terms and the uh, the um, naming. But I had heard that there is a culture where they use something that's called the rope, and someone could probably look it up, but. It's where boys take their mother's name and girls take their father's name. Okay. That was that was one that that just came to mind as another interesting idea for naming, because we mentioned patrilineal and matr- matrilineal naming. I'm sure that if we had William on here, he would he would spout off about all sorts of fun stuff that Australian languages do. He mentioned the skin system in our um, kinship terms episode, which I think that you also get a skin name attached to that, but um, we don't have him here to, yes. to, to tell us a to lot of, us into shape. of stuff, but uh, I guess we'll have to do without. So why don't we move into our featured conlang which is uh, Adam's language is Kazaya. And do you want to give us a little introduction on what Kazaya is, Adam? Um, well, I make video games, and um, Eric, who, who was mentioned before, um, is my colleague, so to say. And we've had these grand plans about some kind of RPG that we wish to make way into the future when we have the resources and the opportunity to do so. And we've been um, working on a script for that. And uh, since I enjoy conlanging, I I definitely want to bring conlanging into this project as well. So, Cosia um, was made for that game. And um, 
the reason you invited me here is because of some YouTube videos made in this language by me and Eric. Yeah, and I'm actually going to play some audio from that. Oh. <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind that. Uh, I don't we mind. We can say it now. I can't. Yeah. The, the listeners might mind. <laughs> uh, I, I can... Uh, and I will link to the Kazea Daily videos, which are yeah, kind of sh- cool. Sure. And, uh, for their, you know... Stupidity. <laughs> They're quirky. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Poisky. Eh? Asaika. Asaika. No. Misa. Okay. Let's, I'm not going to play the... I'd have to say, I never get tired of that song, though. <laughs> I, use, I use it when, when people call my telephone, so everyone gets tired when I'm out. <laughs> so, um, I think that's the one where, like... Who, which one is you, actually, in these videos? I'm the blonde one. The blonde guy? Okay. Yep. Yep. So, your friend says something like, Oh, hey, hoista, I'm thinking. You were thinking? No. Or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, um, they're just little short little joke videos, but they're, I think they're cool. I, I love the fact that <laughs> this, this screams of, you know, stupid little YouTube production with a song where someone is yelling in the background while you're singing your little song. <laughs> Yeah, we that, that's me as well. We did that on purpose because, um, well, first we had some noise in the uh, in the original recording. We, we were trying to, to conceal it with some uh, screaming in the background, um, and then Eric managed to get rid of the noise anyway. But we decided to keep it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tell us a little bit more about Kazea, because you don't actually have a whole lot online about it, do you? Uh, no, it's mostly concealed in a text file on my hard drive, actually. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing some a couple charts on one of these boards, but I can't seem to find them at the moment. But I actually had a question. I think I read somewhere that you don't have v- verbs for it to be or to have. No, that's true. So how do you do that? Um, the language is um, a bit classless between between word classes, like uh, especially verbs and and nouns. And um, the the suffixes that you can use to um, to inflect a person for for the verbs, you can use um, as as noun suffixes as well. So to say that um, I am. A person or something like that. You you could use the same first person singular ending as for a, as, as for a verb, for example. Cool. And what about to have? Um, you usually use the um, 
the locative case of the of the possessor. So oh. something to, to express something like um, he has a fish. You would use the word for fish, and then the locative form of he. Oh, that's cool. an interesting thing. It makes sense, but it's sort of something that I hadn't thought of before using locative to show possession. Isn't it I locative? Think, I think Finnish does something similar, but but with a couple as well. Locative, something. locative, whatever. I'm yeah. just curious. Yeah, that's interesting. I say stuff wrong. Hmm. I, I, I say locative because I think it's called vocative. <laughs> <laughs> so locative sounds good because if you if you look at my, if my at my tables you will get some some nice rhyming going on because this locative locative and this lative and dative and dative I'm not sure how to pronounce that in English actually dative yeah dative yeah and lative I don't know lative 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 <laughs> it's English no one knows how the hell to say these things <laughs> yeah. So, I swear it's locative, though. Anyway, uh, I was seeing idea phone, so, you know, I clearly don't know everything. Well, I don't know. I think locative because I think location, because that's what locative cases generally are marking something as a location, or something mm-hmm. as having something else close to it, or at it, or whatever. Oh. Yeah, well, English phonology is a mess. Yes, it is. <laughs> I actually kind of wanted to do something with my second conlang where, like, it kind of had, like, the reduced vowels and the stress, like, English. But I don't know if I'm that evil <laughs> to do that. Yeah, yeah, well, um, I was going to say something, but I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> Your script for Kazaa catches my eye. Like, in the, those videos, uh, you have a little sampling of the script in yeah. your little intro, and it's... Um, it kind of boggles my mind. I don't understand the correlation between things, but then again, I don't really know much about it, so... It kind of yeah. throws me off, because it does a... It, it, there's symbols that look like Latin characters, but they don't match up with what the sounds I would associate with. No, but um, the the one that looks like a P actually represents a P, and that was just... I didn't mean to do that. But accidental. I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I did that by accident, too. Yeah. Like, I have a Z thing, which then ended up being Z. Yeah, and the one, the one for an N looks, looks a bit like an N as well. And I think someone told me that the uh, S and Z glyphs look like the uh, um, the the Tengwa characters for the same. <laughs> Everything looks like Tengwa. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'd smack someone if they said my con lines look like Tengwa. <laughs> yeah, pe- pe- people said that about my script as well, and it's it's to the essences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. I, I swear I had more questions. Yeah. Now I don't yeah. Well, we don't have... Well, mainly I think I'm just looking forward to you putting more of your stuff online if you are inclined to do that. Um. Yeah, I could do that. But... Stop going on me. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I have to <laughs> summarize all of it because it's in this giant text file and it's all a mess. I have to <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> uh, that's the hard part. Yeah. What's I going to okay. say? I think when William was here, he mentioned that the language looked quite Scandinavian. Yeah, he said it had a distinct... Scandinavian languages, so, you know. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm trying and... <sighs> Sorry. We keep talking <laughs> over each other. Yes. I'm trying Sorry. to find the chart that we were looking at, the stuff that we were looking at, but he said it had a distinct Germanic feel to it. Um, oh? Yeah. Um... Coincidentally, some uh, case endings and stuff like that actually match up with the um, Icelandic ones, and I didn't mean to do that either. It just <laughs> happened. So. Do you speak Icelandic or uh, conversationally? Yes. Oh, okay. That's good enough for most people. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I visited Iceland for a week, and I I spoke Icelandic with with everyone, and yeah, worked out. <laughs> do you have uh, website at all for Kazan? Nope. Um, Start one. I think I have some old stuff for old languages up somewhere, but I don't think I've ever posted anything about this one. Um, I think the best place to go to find examples would be the um, conlang fluency thread of the ZBB, because I've been posting a lot in the thread. Okay. And sometimes quite extensive. Paragraphs. Well, yeah, I think we've pretty. Can't well think of any more questions. Yeah, I. My problem is I haven't seen enough of the language to have that many more questions. That's my problem. Yeah, um, I could go through the basic things, I guess, if you like to listen to it. Well, well I mean, you... tell us some more general things, like you know. What kind of word order do you have? Word order? Or are you going to be the subject? Object is the general one, and I don't right. think it changes. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think it changes. I can't come up with a, a single example that would do that. So I don't think it does. Um, there are seven cases, which are the nominative, the accusative, the vocative, and the. Locative, locative, I don't know. Um, I think it's vocative as well. Okay, vocative, locative. <laughs> and le let's say um, lative and dative for those to match up as well. And then yeah. the genitive. And uh, the genitive has this um, ablative function as well. And uh, the dative usually takes on like uh, commentative functions and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it does it in German, but I'm not sure, so some German will probably yell at me. So. Yeah, but you would probably still use some kind of preposition in German. You wouldn't do that. Yes, in, you would. In Because depending on what case you use with some prepositions, it changes the meanings. It's yeah. about all I remember now. Yeah, Iceland does the same thing. See. Um, and... Um, the verbs are, they are inflected with a lot of uh, uh, particles, mostly. 
Um, there is a uh, like a general tense which could be used for the um, present and the past mostly. Um, although the past is usually expressed through the usage of uh, the only type of participle, like Oseas, which is the uh, the past participle. Um, there is no present participle or future participle or anything, anything like that. Um, so to say something like um, "I have eaten," you would just say something like "eaten," and then uh, that would literally translate to "it is eaten" or "it was eaten," and then it's understood that you mean "by me." By the context, mostly. Cool. Mm. I think there are some dialects of English that do that too. Now that I think about it, uh, only those horrible people who just <laughs> use the past participles, the past. <laughs> uh, there is a future particle, but no, nothing to specifically express the uh, present tense unless it is. Uh, Continuous, then there's a particle of that as well. It's um, quite nice. That's not very Germanic at all. Mm. I don't think. Yeah, and then there's the um, negative particle, which is used even though there is a um, negative suffix as well, infix actually, which is used a lot for the other clauses. So even though there is this classlessness, Verbs still take on their own way of expressing negativity. That's interesting. So you have a negative particle and a negative verb. Yep. No, so no, 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 sorry. Uh, a negative particle and a negative um, infix for other word classes than verbs. Oh, not for verbs. No. Other. Okay, I see. Oh. Which you could use, for example, if you want to say, um, let's go back to the sentence like, he has a fish, you'd say something like, there's a fish at him. Like in Finnish, I think they do that as well. Um, and to say he does not have a fish, you would just use the negative form of fish and then the locative of he. Ah, uh, see. So oh. They don't, you don't have to agree the negative. That's very oh, which, interesting. I mean, like in Spanish, you know, you have to oh. use the double negative, which in English well, you get yelled at there for. Is, there is a double negative in some cases as well. Like if you if you want to say something like, um, I don't know anything, you would say, I don't know nothing. Yeah. Okay. That's like Spanish. Yeah. So you and, can... and Icelandic, actually. Icelandic does go. <sighs> okay. So I think the the most interesting thing that I've heard are the um I guess the nouns and verbs being very similar is something that a lot of people do but the um locative for possession was really interesting to me. That's quite nice cuz I know I don't have a verb to have and I was like I hope you didn't copy me or not copy me but you know a natural language already does it, and then I was like, another conlang does it too. No! <laughs> but it's different, so I was happy. I wouldn't have thought There's about it. There's always someone who's done it. It's always been done. Yeah. yeah. Well, but this um, time it was different, and it was interesting. Yeah. Well, I think we can kind of wrap up a little bit. I do have a feedback, which, uh, yes, I just found this. I just like found this right now, but mm -hmm. uh, 
someone, I presume they had just listened to our episode on scripts, and they sent us a bunch of links to uh, to different Chinese scripts. These are these sites are all in Chinese, but you can still see the images and take a look at them. But uh, I think um, the this person was just kind of wanted to throw in a little bit of Chinese into our thing there, because I think when we did the scripts episode, we were mostly talking about alphabets and other phonetic systems rather than logographic systems at all. Well, it's because there's not that much to go on with the logographics, because to be honest, there's really the one main one, and then it's hard to generalize from one. You mean Chinese? Yes. That's what I meant, and that's what they showed us. Well, Chinese is the main modern one, which... I mean... But... I don't I know. I mean, there's others, but that's the big... The big one. Well, we anyway. can't really discuss scripts without bringing up the abomination that is Japanese, don't can we? I'm pretty sure we did. I think we talked a little bit about it, but... You know... It's only an abomination, because they won't choose which one they want. Japanese just has... The fact, the fact is that Japanese just has Chinese and their own thing that they developed, which, honestly, I think too. Japanese would be better off just using one or both of the syllabic strips and throwing out the Chinese script, but that's not going to happen. For yeah, that's no. what I've been thinking as well. They're not yeah. going to do it just because we told them to. Korean did that. Korean yeah. Korean now almost exclusively uses Hangul and Chinese is only the the Chinese script is only used for certain ceremonial things and for choosing names and stuff. But Hangul's pretty awesome though. Yeah, Hangul I don't like Hangul. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's fine. Anyway, uh, I think um, <laughs> I think we're all just tired and kind of losing it at this point. Yes. Well, I don't know. I was sick most of the day, so I, I was a little unprepared. And then we didn't have our our um, we didn't have all the our people. But uh, I didn't will have say, William to make us informative. Yes, William makes this podcast most of the time. But yes. I don't know. Adam Adam was a decent replacement. <laughs> yes, it was nice having you on. Yeah, thank you. And especially, it was also nice because I didn't have to do research. We could just ask you questions. Yeah, especially <laughs> since we we wanted to talk about Kosea, but we didn't have the information, so we wanted. Yeah, to I'm sorry for putting up so little material for you. Yeah, no. um, it's fine. Do you know? Do you have like a goodbye, Kosea? Um, I think I do. Well, look it up so you can say it at the end of the show. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was it, it was the same for us. Hello. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then it's then it's not very advanced. It, it, it's just Allah. Okay. Yeah. Allah and Allah. Happy conline. Ciao. One quick thing before I fade this out. 
As we mentioned on the last podcast, episode 13, which is our next episode, is about taboo words, profanity, and insults. And I wanted to give one more warning that it will be uh, very much NSFW. It will do not listen to it while your mom is listening, while your boss is listening, while your kids are listening. Just fair warning. I'll give you another warning right before that episode starts. But uh, just want to give people a heads up. It's actually already recorded as I'm editing this. So I can tell you it will have words in it that some people will, will not like out of context. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find all our episodes and show notes as well as subscribe to our iTunes or RSS feeds through conlangery.conlang.org. You can also like our Facebook page or follow at Conlangery on Twitter. If you would like to contact us with corrections, comments, questions, or suggestions, or even suggest your own conlang as a feature, please email conlangery at gmail.com or call into our new voicemail line, 304-873-6281. We also have a handy suggestions form on our site. Our theme music was created by... Xander Medeus. Alan.